So I'm Ian Afferton. I'm one of the co-directors of the Scottish Centre for Administrative Data Research. And I'm Jan Savins. I'm a research fellow also at the uh, Scottish Centre for uh, Administrative Data Research. And Jan, you're doing some really interesting work with data and really important work. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. I'm looking at the increased number of deaths at home that happened during COVID in Scotland. So what we know so far is that the number of people who died at home um, during the pandemic increased. It started roughly in the same time as the first wave hit. And then unlike the sort of waves of the of COVID pandemic, uh, these numbers have remained at a quite high level since and haven't, haven't gone down. Even um, in 2022, they still remain at an increased level compared to the 2015 to 2019 period. And this isn't death from COVID, is it? Uh, yeah, so only about 2% of those deaths are COVID related, so um, most of those are not COVID. So these are deaths that prior to the pandemic would likely have occurred elsewhere? Um, that's quite likely, yeah. So with this research we're trying to understand why the number of deaths at home increased so much. Um, so far it looks like um, just in terms of the types of causes that people died of um, cancer and circulatory disease seem to be the um, sort of quite increased in deaths at home. But yeah, it's likely that these are the deaths that would have happened in hospital or in care homes otherwise prior to the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, these are people, deaths in people's own homes largely. Um, this is not care homes, is it? Uh, no, so the way these data are collected, there's a distinction between care homes and people's own homes. Mind you, the own home category will include things like public places um, and sort of accidents uh, on a road or in, in the street or something like that. But from the research that I've done so far, it looks like these are really a small um, proportion of cases. So largely these are deaths in people's own homes, which aren't care homes. Yes. And to what extent are these increases? Um, is this a small increase or is it a big increase? Yeah, so we're looking at kind of about a 30% increase. Um, so if, if you're just looking in the first year in 2020, that's roughly, what, five to 6,000 more deaths um, at home than happened previously. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of if you think about the kinds of services that um, these people would have used like palliative care at home. That means that that implies kind of a big shift of care that would have been provided in a hospital, for example, that had to shift to home. And if you think about the some of the corollaries of that, so people living in quite rural areas, for example, would, might have struggled receiving the care that they needed. So this has got big resource implications. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. Both sort of in terms of planning where the care is provided, but also um, just in the number in in the increase in scale and the number of people involved yeah and it continues even though the pandemic well, it's still clearly uh, going on but even though um deaths are markedly down on where they were a year ago the the, the proportion of deaths that occurring at home remains elevated is that right yeah so th that's the interesting part so um Although the numbers have gone down somewhat compared to start the start of the pandemic, um, they're still sort of about a third above what we would have seen 
if we look at the numbers between 2015 and 2019, yeah, it looks like with the start of the pandemic, deaths shifted to home, and then the shift has some, somehow remained in place. So, yeah, it's, it's 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 not very clear why that's still the case. It'll probably have to do uh, somewhat with the services that we mentioned earlier during the pandemic having shifted towards providing care at home and possibly figuring out that this actually works quite well. So um, that's maybe part of the reason. But uh, yeah, we're we're not very clear on why this uh, shift remains. And you're a data scientist. So tell me, how, how's data helping you to understand the this uh, this shift? Yeah, so um, the kinds of data that I'm using for this, um, this includes uh, death records that are collected by the National Records of Scotland. And uh, alongside those, um, I'm using data about people's hospitalizations and about um, unscheduled service use. Unscheduled services here cover things like accident emergency admissions, GP visits out of hours, ambulance service use and calls to NHS 24. So the idea is that I'll compare or I am comparing people who died before the pandemic to people who died during the pandemic in terms of the kinds of services they used. So people might have gone to hospital less because of the pressures on hospitals, but then as a result, they might have used more ambulances or gone to the emergency department more. So that's the kind of data that I'm using and how it's will help understand, help us understand the situation, hopefully. So what are the key questions you're using this data to answer? The main question is really how people who died prior to the pandemic were different from people who died during the pandemic. And in particular, in terms of whether their service use changed between the two periods. In particular, in terms of whether people spent less time in hospital, whether they had fewer hospital admissions, and then on the flip side, whether people used emergency services more or spent more time in A&E and so on. And this is more than an academic exercise, isn't it? You, you, you're um, talking to people, policymakers and um, service providers. Is that, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so in the course of the project, project we've kind of engaged with um, various people who are involved in the provision of palliative care, uh, people who work for charities who provide various sorts of care, uh, and, and people in government as well who are involved in planning um, end-of-life care and palliative care strategies and so on. Um, so the idea is sort of to get some inside knowledge of people who are closer to um, the provision of care, sort of closer to the people on the ground who actually provide the care, but then also to be able to use our research results to inform both the care that's provided and also the kinds of policies that people put in place and strategies. The data, that, just going back to the data uh, a moment, um, the data that you're analysing, um, that's um, anonymised, isn't it? And there's all kinds of things you have to do to make sure that it's, it's held securely. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a great question. So I work with individual level data, but these data are anonymized. Essentially, what I see is a spreadsheet where each individual row represents a person and I can see what their causes of death were and sort of what age they were when they died. But what I don't see is 
sort of their name or any identifying characteristics. I don't see their address. I don't see their name. Um, and I don't see things like um, their postcode either, although the, their postcode would have been used to compute things like um, measure of deprivation that's based on the area that people live in, for example. But because it's individual level data, none of it can be shared outside of the sort of safe research environment that I work in. And one of the requirements for getting access to this data is completing training on um, sort of handling data safely and ethically and keeping to the various regulations around anonymizing data and data governance and so on. And also in order to even um, be able to be given access to this data in the first place, you have to have provided a plan for your research. And I guess quite detailed and sort of you need to justify for all the kinds of information that you're requesting, what it's going to be used for. And then it gets weighed up by a, um, what's called a privacy and public, public, privacy and public benefit panel, PVAP, yeah. Um, they get to weigh up basically whether the data you're requesting whether the the kind of research you're doing and the kinds of um, questions you might be able to answer with the data, whether that justifies actually using the data that you're requesting. But uh, sort of the, a short answer to the question, yes, the data is anonymous. It's very securely held and you have to go through lots of training in how you analyze it safely. Um, and you're answering really important um, questions that can help um, enable palliative care um, in the community um, into the future. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, Jan. I really, um, really appreciate your telling us a little bit about the work that you're doing and look forward to learning about some of the results in future podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure chatting about this and uh, yeah, I hope I'll have some more um, insights to share soon. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jan.